What's going on, everybody? Welcome back once again to Fighting Fire with Fire, the AJ Rose Show. My name is AJ Rose. This is episode number 12 of the podcast. This is two days in a row that we've posted. I'm very happy. I'm trying to step up the number of podcasts we do. I have not one, not two, but three guests right here in the building in my guest room in Roslindale, Massachusetts to talk about Frank Ocean's second album, Blonde. With me in order, I've got my man Robbie Vidala. Robbie, say hi to the people. What's up? Hi, people. We got Christian Yoon. Hello. And we got my man Freddie. Freddie, what's your last name? My last name is Lane. So Freddie Lane. That's the legend. Freddie Lane, Christian Yoon, Robbie Vidala, all avid music people whose opinions I implicitly trust and defer to when it comes to audio mastery. And that's what we have here with Frank Ocean and the album Blonde. And we're all going to dissect it and try and... And analyze it both in the sense of the actual music and the meta narrative around it. The fact that it took four years for the album to come out, and the fact that Frank may or may not go on tour for this album, how applicable that might be, what our favorite songs are on it, and etc. We're going to dive right in. The first question I have to you guys, and we'll go uh, Christian, then Freddie, then Robbie, is what were your ex after after the triumph of Channel Orange, which came out in July 2012, what were your expectations like when? Blonde came out. Okay, so the first thing that comes to mind uh, is I saw a tweet, and this producer I follow on Twitter, he was like, the new Frank Ocean album won't be well-received unless it's a spinoff of Channel Orange. And that kind of insinuated this, like, well, maybe that's true. Like, what would people want after hearing Channel Orange? Mm -hmm. And then I wasn't really sure what I was expecting. Um... The, it's it's a tough question just to ask because after Channel Orange, how much of what worked do you want to be in the second yeah, album? Yeah, exactly. It's like, do I want... Because Frank brings like a very specific feeling. Mm-hmm. And Channel Orange was very orange. Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> Big like, time. And it's like, how could he how could he do something... Like you said, we were talking earlier about progression... Mm-hmm. How do you keep that uniqueness? Right. So how do you how do you as a musical artist how do you progress your sound and so that it doesn't isn't at a standstill? Yeah. So you move forward without losing what makes you unique, like yeah. the fundamental basis of what makes you unique. And do you think that Frank did that on this album? Yeah, absolutely. I just didn't know how he was gonna do it. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. I was just not sure what to expect honestly so that it's it's nerve-wracking and exciting at the same yeah. time freddie what were your expectations well i was late to the whole channel orange like right movement. when did channel orange come out july 2012 2012 i like yeah. first listened to like i would say 2013 mm-hmm. maybe even 2014 like mm-hmm. that's when i first heard it so like after that i didn't really even know if he had other music that was like the only thing i listened to i just listened to that like constantly for like a good few months of my <laughs> life i was like wow this dude's a force right but like I didn't really expect anything else coming from him because, like, he disappeared. That's what, like, I was late. So, like, after I heard that... He was already gone. He was already in the middle of the disappearance. So I was like, oh, okay. So, like, that was cool. Like, what else is, like, going to happen? I didn't really have any expectations for anything else that's going to happen for him. So I was like... You know, like what am I? What, what whatever. To... So was it? So does that does that make it all positive? Like whatever happened was gonna be something more? Not no, because like there's always like you could always like mess up and just mm-hmm. like, ruin like a good thing. Robbie, what were your expectations? Yeah, I don't really believe in expectations for music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh huh. It's just like if you wrote beautiful stuff and everybody loved it and it was awesome. I feel like I don't always trust that it's going to be there next year. Okay. It's going to be there next time you make some um, make some music. But because I decided that I liked Frank Ocean as a person from everything on Channel Orange and everything on Nostalgia. Um, Nostalgia Ultra's first mixtape, yeah. Yeah. I decided that I was going to like it probably no matter what because I liked the guy. I think that I liked the guy. Maybe, you know, if we talked and met, it would be different. Nah. But, like, I decided that I liked the guy... And so I trust that whatever he makes as an artist, I'm going to be like, okay, it was authentically him. So therefore, even if it doesn't like have like a banger on it or whatever, I'm going to be down for it no matter what. Because it's authentically him. Yeah, because it's he's him. not He's not quote unquote selling out in any way. It's still going to be his yeah. vision of whatever the album was. And because I want to really get my expectations down as down as possible. So <sighs> right now, it's, it's good. It's, it's... So when I hear it, then it really blows my <laughs> that's, mind. That's a totally worthy thing. Expectations are a dangerous thing to have. And this, this 
podcast touches on both sports and pop culture. One of the worst things that can happen to both a sports team or a movie or a book or anything is if your expectations are too high going into it, then you're inevitably disappointed. Like when the movie Avatar came out in 2009, everybody told me it was, you know... The best thing since sliced bread. Because it was and the I, most expensive movie. Right, and, I, and, and it became the highest grossing one until Star Wars upended it. But I went in with sky high expectations and was let down. Yeah. It was, I was like, oh, it's Space Pocahontas. Yes, you know? yes, yeah. right. yes. <laughs> I said the same thing. I said the same thing. I wanted to quickly yeah. touch on Christian's point about how Channel Orange sounds really orange because Blonde is called Blonde. And on the photo out of the album cover, Frank Ocean is essentially doing what I call the mini dab. He's got his hand in his hands like uh uh he, he <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a mini dab, it's what he's doing. And but his and his hair is tinged green. Yeah. Doesn't that what it looks like on the album cover? Yeah. But the the album the rest of the album cover and multiple songs on the album have the word white on it. It's a white album cover and you have white Ferrari yeah. and pink and white and the if I had to describe it in a color, I wouldn't describe it as blonde. I would describe yeah. it as white. Okay. Although, but that sort of leads into when does blonde become white and et cetera. Yeah, but that's all, that's its own discussion. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know, right? Good job, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ambiguity is definitely something to touch upon. So I, I wanted to ask, because when Christian and I talked about this pre-podcast, uh, uh, not only tonight, but in uh, previous night, we talked about a, ter- a word that we use to describe Frank's music. And this is something that happens on Channel Orange and Blonde is the word mythical. And... Yeah. It's it's this particular feeling that you that gets evoked when you listen to Frank's music, and I always thought that it had to do with him his strategic use and non-use of percussion, because okay. when you don't have the skeletal system of the song, meaning drums, it's just sort of floating out there, okay. and when he has all these songs where there's very minimal drums, there are a few songs on the album, Pink and White, or the the second part of Nights that use percussion and use it well but for the most part for or when he first comes in on Nike's un, unpitched and it's just like the clouds separate yeah. and his voice comes in you are floating somewhere yeah. so do you think that that mythical is an apt word to use for Frank's music and why do you think we get this very particular unique feeling from him yeah okay so I actually feel like with this album he kind of did this thing where he demystified himself, but kept himself like this mythical like, okay. thing. So, okay. So, uh, one thing I want to point out is like the just the juxtaposition between the lyrics and the like sound of the record. So, on Nike's, mm-hmm. when it opens up and you like start floating. Let you guys prophesy. Yeah. It's like there's this very mythical... Uh, thing about it but then he's just like speaking of the devil you right know, why you think I'm in this bitch wearing a fucking yarmulke you know it's <laughs> like it's like this and he does it multiple times on the all album all the time like um, uh, another good example is on Futura Free at the end about when that. when it's like super mythical and his voice is pitched and it's like in the background you got this la, 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 type thing going on <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're just in the clouds and then he's just like fuck these lames don't want nothing fuck these you know, he talks about his like being African American and right he actually this. walks that line better than better than anybody yeah so I think okay so I think with Channel Orange he was like painting these pictures of like this uh, mythical because. Uh, that lifestyle that he was portraying. The Rich Kid Blues. Right, exactly. The Rich Kid Blues. He was singing the Rich Kid Blues better than anybody I'd ever heard. Like, when you listen to Sierra Leone or Sweet Life. Yeah. Or anything like that. When I hear that, when I heard the line, why see the world when you got the beach? I was like, that's that's it. That's the whole thing in one line. Exactly. The whole thing. (laughs) That's that's so true. And I think that with that record, he kind of, um, he kind of was like, okay, not a lot of people know about this experience. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just going to paint it in this beautiful way and the lyrics will be mythical and the sound will be mythical and you'll be floating, etc. But with this one, it was kind of like this juxtaposition between the lyrics and the sound mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Some of the time, though, super mythical the whole time. Freddie, did you, do, you, do you feel like when you're listening to Frank, does, does any other artist evoke that particular emotion out of you? By that, what do you mean? Like, do, do, do you feel the... Because cause Frank Ocean's songs rarely take place on the ground. Yeah. Or in, okay. the, or in the ocean, for that matter. 
Like, do you, do you do other artists make you feel like that's it's coming from a genuine place first of all, that and they're they're trying to take you places and they can do it both because of the instrumentation and because of their voice. Earl Sweatshirt, off top. Earl Sweatshirt. Yeah, completely. Like the way he was talking about how he uh, made I don't like shit, I don't go outside. Right. And he was telling, uh, he was talking about how like he painted from the outside in. Like he wanted the like the album to look a certain way from the outside, and then he delved deeper with that. And I think that's like a perfect example of how that's done with somebody else. But I wouldn't use the word mythical to describe Frank. I like that. I like that. What? Why? Why wouldn't you use that word to describe mythical, Frank? Mostly, a lot of it has to do with it. Just reminds me of like fairies and like like okay. things that aren't necessarily real. While Frank is like really like extreme, yeah, like very real. That's a good point. Like he's very corporeal. And he's he's like a person. Mm-hmm. I would say he's more so spiritual. Mm, okay. Because like I don't know, he brings me to like a place that's like. I don't want to say, like, not spiritual in, like, a religious sense, but, like, spiritual as in, like, it's inside of you. Like, okay. It's, it's yes. Like, things you might not know about yourself. Uh, Soulful? Yeah. I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is. But, reflective? Like, yeah, sort of reflective. He's a reflective it's person. transparent. Yeah, transparent. His perfect. whole body see-through. Yes. Yes. And, what, like, when Frank is... The, the, the funny thing about that is, Frank, after he released Channel Orange, and is trying to do this genuine thing where he makes the spiritual seem relatable then he disappears for four years yeah and now he comes back and we we were discussing before the podcast whether we think he's gonna go on tour or not because we don't think so right but does that make doesn't that make him less relatable doesn't that make him a more quote unquote Robbie jump in when I think about what how it would affect me if I made some shit I mean obviously I'm not a musician so it's not gonna ever happen I mean alright maybe I'll become a musician but whatever (laughs) if I make something and then everybody is like yo the thing that you just made is the hottest album, not of the year, but of the decade. You are the next big thing. When are you making more music? When can I see you play? Right. And everybody's saying that to me. All of my friends, everybody I ever knew was hitting up on Facebook, on my Instagram, <laughs> on whatever. Like, yo, how can we get in touch? Because you're hitting it. Big. You're the dude. You're the dude right now. I feel like that's going to affect you in drastic ways. And any regular person who gets hit with that all of a sudden is going to trip out over it. Now everybody treats you different. Like it's like an old story with every artist that hit it big. They always make so many songs about like how people treat them different because they hit it big, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I expect somebody like that to kind of ghost a little bit. Like even even Erica Badu after making like something like uh, Mama's Gun. Mm-hmm. That stuff is like legendary. That stuff like from ninety like late nineties to early two thousands. She's making the best music ever. I love that stuff. After you have that period where you guys got together, you made all that stuff, Soul Clarins, et cetera, whatever, you get together. Then once you split up and now you're just people, now it's like you're hit by the fact that you did this legendary thing yeah. and you can't, it's hard to live up to. You're yeah. going to have trouble operating. Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill made education, yeah. Lauren Hill, and then that's been that. Yeah. <laughs> so, football too. Sometimes when you have lightning strike like that, this is, this is what you're saying, that it becomes tough to be relatable yeah. And you kind of have to, with well, Frank clearly withdrew, drew within himself, and needed the, those four years. You need some in order space. to right. That. The album sounds like he made something and was like, "This is super fabricated. I don't want to put this out. Let me just not give a fuck and make another album. Absolutely, and just be totally transparent and like, just play the guitar and smash it at the end <laughs> of Ivy. And, yeah, and just scream." I don't know. That's just what it sounds like to me. I totally think that. It sounds I think like he just did. He's been making everything. music for. I bet you he's been making music, or just like writing songs the whole time. The yeah. whole time. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think anybody would deny that. Yeah. There's a there's a because there's a version of Frank where he tries to make pop hits right. and he tries to make a more conventional album. I don't want to say that that's what The Weeknd did because The Weeknd and Frank get too many comparisons when they're vastly different artists. Yeah. But I don't see it. But me neither. Go on, no, go on. Yeah. But 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 the The Weeknd also had. Uh, a run where he, someone said, people would say when House of Balloons and Trilogy came out, he's a darker, sexier Frank Ocean. He's making the EDM R&B crossover hits that that drive all the ladies crazy. And he ended up being like, okay, I'm going to make the best Michael Jackson ripoff pop hit like ever <laughs> yeah. and become a pop star. And now he's a pop star. And Frank Ocean has remained an enigmatic dude. 
who somehow through his music whenever he so so he's he's enigmatic and he's out and we don't know where he is he's up in the cloud somewhere and then when he comes down we're like oh yeah we do relate to you yeah. this is why this is why we let you stay up there in the first place yeah, yeah. and to me, I always think of there's an interlude on Nostalgia Ultra called Bitches Talkin' where uh, yeah. he's playing songs for them and all the ladies are like, what's a Radiohead? Yeah. And I always think about, because <laughs> when we talk about the term mythical, the, one of the reasons I use that is because I've always thought that Radiohead is uh, a huge influence on Frank because I was thinking, what other artists evoke that kind of emotion out of me? And I always think of Radiohead. I think of of peak, like, uh, uh, Ben's... Kid A, OK Computer, Radiohead, yeah. and some of the songs they made that would would have you feeling like sort of an otherworldly feel to it. That a lot of and and I'm I'm gonna try and summarize this point in a too short amount of time. I think Frank combines that with one of the the qualities that I've always found in black cultural music is that it's down to earth and real quote unquote real and so I think he takes the out of this world qualities of artists like Radiohead and some of the down to earth qualities yeah, and of like the uh, the after Trina hit I had a chance for campus like, yeah. right it's, it's fucking on you when I didn't own a mattress type right stuff. like yeah. street talking he takes he takes the two, he takes the two of those exactly. things and just mashes them together absolutely and he makes it about real stuff that sounds like it's from another dimension. Yeah, true. I'm, I'm not nah, that was the whole time. The whole okay. lyrics. It's really just talking to you. It's like letters right. to somebody. It's talking to somebody or Shit, to the man. people. Right. Having some. If you had someone sit and read out the con the lyrics with no context of the music, it sounds like an album that a, a lot of different people could make. Or, or is that or is that not correct? Because you love his lyricism. Because it's poetry, straight poetry. I don't know. Uh, I think if you read it out without the music. It would definitely sound more straightforward. Mm -hmm. However, I don't, I don't feel like it would sound like anything else. Still, I still don't know what a bunch of it means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I just let the feeling wash over me. Whatever the visceral feeling that yeah. I get is, is what I interpret it as. Like when he says, "Let you guys prophesy, we gonna see the future first. I don't really delve deep into what I think that means, but it's. It, 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 it makes me feel a type of way and that's yeah. all I need to know yeah do you guys think that the the expectations of the four year gap is what made it not sort of ubiquitously accepted when it came out right that, that, that some people didn't like it because of the four years and because it didn't sound like Channel Orange Freddie you disagree I don't think that's why that album at first when you first listen to it it's like jarring like it's not it's not what um what it's called Channel Orange was Channel Orange is more accessible. Yeah, way more accessible. That's why I think Pink and White was there right after Nike's. Pink and White is definitely like the Channel Orange like fan mm -hmm. song. It is the it is the most Channel Orange yeah. song. Yeah, and so like I that's love there that to song. like <laughs> I feel like that's there to like cradle you into like what's happening next. Like that's there to like okay, if you want this, like listen to this, and then like it will help you get through. And then what's after that? Be yourself. Uh, solo is right so after that. Solo. Be yourself and then solo. Yeah. Be yourself. Is that oh, be, be yourself? Wow. Be yourself is the interlude with his mom talking about don't yeah, do drugs. So that Dr. comes right after pink and white. Yes. Yeah. Whoa! I never put that together. That's <laughs> and then he starts. He starts and then solo he talks about saying acid. acid. Yeah. Gone off taps. Yeah. 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 So like that's what that's why that song is there. So I don't think that's why I was so like heavily uh, inaccessible. Right. I think it's just like the overall sound and how it was like made relative to Channel Orange. It takes a few listens. It's still fire. Is there an analogy to be made between Channel Orange and Blonde and Good Kid Man City and Pimpa Butterfly? Is there some parallel mm. there between one album being more accessible than the other yeah. and one Channel yeah. Orange and Good Kid Man City were made before Kendrick and Frank were A-list famous and then the way the two of them dealt with that mm. is expressed in the subsequent album. Fun. Yeah, I think sorry. I sorry think lyrically, <laughs> I think lyrically, Good Kid, Mad City was more accessible. Right, lyrically, and while uh, what do you call it? Jeez, uh, Timber Butterfly. Timber Butterfly. Lyrically was lyrically was less accessible because it was like it was harsher. It was real, but the sound was more accessible. Mm. But with with uh, you don't think so? Well, yeah, no. Nah, to to um, Good Kid, Mad City. Okay, I think Good Kid, Mad City sound was more accessible to our generation. Yeah, mm. yeah, but yeah like, definitely. But like, Pimp a Butterfly is more accessible to everybody. Yeah, I, would, I guess generally. Yeah, I feel, yeah. I feel you. The way I see it is like the big difference between them in terms of that, like from the, that album to that album, is 
uh, collaboration. Kendrick has mad different people on every song. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're advertised. They're heavily on it. They're dramatically changing what it sounds like. And Frank's album, and Blonde is like directly like a child of his mind. Blonde yeah. is Frank plus one glorious minute and 20 seconds for Andre, <laughs> right? <Pretty> oh. <laughs> Which And whoever's playing bass on Pink and White. Yeah, Jesus. Um, should we even talk about Andre? Should we should I we would talk, love about, to talk about why, Andre's verse? Why, should we talk about Andre's verse? Should, should we talk about Andre's verse? Is it your favorite rap verse of 2015-2016? Is it the best? I don't know. It it's it's <laughs> it's funny because Solo uh uh based on a lot of the reviews that I read of of Blonde is what's looked at as the best song. The solo, the first solo. Oh, the first solo. Okay. And then yeah. the solo reprise. You don't compare them because one's Frank and one's Andre. It yeah. sort of legitimately seems like Frank was like Andre. You do whatever you want with this minute and twenty seconds. Yeah. Like I'm gonna let you just sprawl over it. Yeah. And Andre, people said that he made a dig at Frank. At, at excuse me, at Drake because he said it's done under the impression that everyone wrote their own verses. Yeah. I'm humming a whistle to those, to those not, not deserving. deserving, right? Which is n- to me, not a dig at Drake at all, no, because no. Drake Drake no. Drake happened to be, he happened to write Rico, the song that started this Meek Mill uh, 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 beef, with a dude named Quentin Miller, who is credited. He's not a ghostwriter. He's credited on the song, and that blew up into Meek telling Drake that he had a ghostwriter. Dra- I think Andre's talking about the larger rap community and people yes. ghostwriting for other people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's coming out. Six, six. <laughs> and he's saying that I I thought everybody was real and wrote their own shit. Freddie, that cracked you up. Yeah, six, 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 six. It's, a, it's, it's nah, yeah, I don't think it's a dig at Drake at all. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's people just want to put Drake in a headline. Do you think it fit? Do you think it? Do you think it sticks out like a sore thumb? That track, the Andre track. Yeah, um, I think so. In a good way or a bad? What? Freddie? I think it does because it's like the only one that has like that hard eight oh eight like at True. all. Like of course, and it's the only one with like. Straight rapping, yes. Like straight rapping at eight oh eight, like it's the com- it's completely out of the way, but still fits. Like so, that begs crazy. the question: Why would Frank, a guy who is clearly interested in making albums, like cohesive entity albums, why would he put that smack dab in the middle of it and have it be a reprise of the song that's early? I on think on it the somehow album? flows. I, I think it really it does flows. somehow. I think it flows. It does. It works within the context, right? Like for example, you have the twenty seconds of silence after Andre is done with the verse. Which is like a was classic... Was I working this way too hard? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just... Yeah, yeah, just... That's like a classic type of Frank touch. That's like exactly what I would expect. Like, that fit in very well with, like, the the atmosphere of the album. And the fact that he took Solo, just like Frank took Solo, and interpreted it in so many different ways, right? Solo, yeah, that I can yeah. see under the skirt of an ant. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get high no more. When I go Geronimo, I just go, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's, that is rise. so. That is so ridiculous. That I still haven't so figured it out. The Andre verse, like it's, it's placement. I haven't figured it out still. Yeah. Like I still wouldn't feel confident enough to say it fits, and I still wouldn't feel confident enough to say it doesn't. I just know that he really likes Andre, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of him might have just been like, "Well, uh, I gave you this instrumental, and you." like did this I'm not gonna not yeah, put this on my official release <laughs> like, yeah he absolutely couldn't like yeah no if you, I don't if care, you, if I don't you received care. that recording no yeah. matter what your album sounded like, I don't you're, care. like you're giving me this for the album I don't album. care about Frank his level of artist integrity or whatever like when you get that yeah. version, <laughs> on your shit, it doesn't matter <laughs> um, do you guys have a favorite song on the album Nikes Nikes the opener yeah the, one of the common complaints about Nikes is that the pitched up vocals goes on for too long. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? I don't. You disagree. <laughs> so you disagree. You think you think that that oh. pitched up vocal going on, like yeah. go, go, the, going on for two plus minutes, is is correct? Uh, yeah. Not, well, correct is the wrong word. Like works. So I think he fucks with it. So I think that uh, the pitched up vocal, which happens not only on Nikes, right. it happens on Nights, it happens on Self Control, it happens a ton. It's a thing. Yeah. So I think that the pitched up vocals, I'm still not 100% sure of like why he was messing with that sound so much, mm-hmm. but I think it might just fit in with the whole uh, transparency aesthetic and it gives it kind of this like innocent boyish uh, mm. feel. And also he dropped a note on his Tumblr when he dropped the album and it's the front cover of the magazine and in the magazine 
Uh, it talks about the making of the album, and he reflects on his teenage years as being the best in his life. And he says that he still doesn't know um, why he thinks those are the best years of his life because there were ups and downs then. But in the rearview mirror, because you know he has to be poetic and shit, <laughs> the problem seems small enough to where everything seems all good. And I think that the pitched up voice kind of just fits in with the whole thing as like this innocent. Is it more naive? So it's a more naive thing to say these bitches want Nikes than to say let you guys prophesy. Exactly. Like if you crazy. Yeah. Exactly. Like like at the beginning, the whole time it's pitched up, it's like my cousin got the scales, a little mermaid. We have our pool, some little mermaid. And then but 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 like the most serious line of the entire song is R.I.P. Trayvon, that dude looked just like me. True, true. And that is said with the pitched up vocals. True. That has to be mentioned. True, true. <laughs> I just I just think that like uh I just think the pitched up vocal thing was kind of another layer mm-hmm. of this um whole I'm gonna trash this album and just make this as honest mm-hmm. and as transparent as, as possible. Me. Yeah. Yeah, and the pitched up vocals kind of just add to this whole not giving a fuck type thing. Like, y'all want to hear my voice so bad. Here's the opening track of my album after four years. Right, right. Pitched up for two minutes. <laughs> over Boy Wonder drums with, like, yeah. so much <laughs> reverb on them. Like, what is that? I, I feel like it adds to it. I still don't know. Freddie, you still you still I can't still pick a favorite know, song no, after like, all every, this time. Every time I'll go, because I'm sure you listen to Rodeo. Yes, like, the, tra- know, the, the Travis parties. Scott album. Yeah, how he has, like, two parts to each song and, like, I don't know that entire album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This song, I mean, this album has, like, the same thing, sort of. Not to, like, the same extent Travis did. Right, well, but, like, so- songs like parts. Knights or Nikes yeah, have multiple parts multiple to them. Multiple parts. Like, Siegfried, whatever. Yeah, I like Siegfried. That is a good song. See, all the songs are so good. <laughs> like, I find myself listening through, uh, like, one song just to, like, get to the second part, but then I'll end up liking the first part, and then I go back, listen to it again. The same thing keeps happening, keeps mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm. So right now, I'm not sure, but if I was to be basic, very <laughs> fundamental... Listener, I'm gonna say pink and white. Pink and white. Always go back to that. It's like easy. It's easy to listen to. That's mostly. Yes. Like I love all the songs. Don't get me wrong. As someone, as someone who's always thought that uh, drums and bass are the skeletal and muscular system of music, Mm. I've always like to to me when you ask me, is this song good? I'm like, does it have good drum and bass? That's the like the first thing I always go to, and so. For Frank to make an album that has uh, that so sparingly is interesting. But Pink and White, as soon as you hear it and you hear those drums, and even Frank himself, when it drops, he goes, Woo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. maybe I always thought of that being his organic reaction in the studio when he's got his headphones on and he hears that. That's like, yeah. That uh, reaction to, to, to what is basic about hip-hop and R&B is when you have those drums, then that lets, that's your canvas. Yo, so That song sounds like a smile. <laughs> that song sounds like a smile. Robbie, right do you have a favorite song on the album? Yup. <laughs> what is it? Self control. Yeah, which is my favorite as well. Oh wait, I'm actually, it yeah, takes you somewhere. That shit takes you somewhere. I, I think that of an, in an album Sorry. littered with great moments, the the la- the last minute of self control when he overlays his vocals, I uh, always think of uh, and when he says the the word summertime, it's an it's a song that's that's nostalgic for I th- I'm gonna connect it back to, to what we're talking about to how summer with even for adults within the cycle of each year is a time to be a bit more naive and a bit yeah. more innocent mm. so when he's talking about saying I know you gotta leave uh, take down some summertime it's like stay in this this sort of innocent moment before we go back to yeah. the like harsher realities of things yeah. uh, and so great but for me, it's the beginning part. It's not the beginning, but like the you know around the middle. I was and and about. him him the part, like sing it, sing it. Um, of the well. The first line yeah. is, is "I'll be the boyfriend in your wet dreams." I came to oh see yeah, I get it. Because to visit, because you see me like a UFO. Yep. And that's my favorite because that's like to me the most emotional moment on the album in terms of like the sound of it, where he's like. So happy about what happened, so sad about what happened, so torn up about it that he's like convulsing. Right, I can I can see his body moving while he sings that that whole part from the beginning of that to self control. Where he's saying self control, I can yeah. see some anybody who's singing that. If you sing that, you have to move your body. You have to kind of tear yourself up a little bit to sing that. Like that's just how it works. And so that's like 
that shit makes me almost cry even just talking about it. Like I so <laughs> I so love it. that's what I listen to music for is for shit like if it's for moments like that. It is straight just like uh you can picture a dude uh, like motherfuckers covering that at open mics with a guitar and oh, just yeah. singing oh, that. Yeah, that's gonna... like that, <laughs> that, that, that'll be. Damn, you ruined that shit. I know, I ruined that shit. Oh, like people man. will be doing that. You're <laughs> so right. That's like, crazy. like, like, wanna be? Uh, uh, people will be like, oh, the ladies will love this. I'll and exit. Then I'll exit the room. I won't even miss. As soon as wow. someone starts strumming really, a guitar like that. When you started talking about the uh, take down some summertime, mm-hmm. I had never really thought about it. As, uh, well, I just never really realized that he was doing this. This person was Summer. Like, the I'll sleep between y'all, it's nothing. Right. Type thing. Uh, it's nothing. Yeah, it could also be, like, I know you gotta leave. You got someone coming spitting game. But it's also, like, your summertime type right. thing. Mm-hmm. Like, really like, like, I, like, I'm just a temporary thing. Yeah. I'm just a temporary flame. Like, I'm in between I know, seasons. I know you got someone yeah. coming spitting game, but... Like real but, life about to happen. Right. Real life, real life. Whew. Really seen it, really Did y'all cry at any point? I, I talk about how I want to, but I don't think I ever did except for, uh... I think I think I think I might have been like walking home from work, listening to Self Control as the like sun was going down over the skyline of Boston, and that's just that the, the, those two things don't even have anything to relate to each other. They're just so uh, in, inherently emotional things that I yeah. might have gotten overwhelmed. Yeah. But whether you cry at something or not isn't a perfect referendum on no, how yeah, it affects totally you emotionally. Not. Like I cry every time I watch Remember the Titans, but like that doesn't mean <laughs> it's <laughs> that doesn't. No, mean. Yeah, totally. I just because. Uh, I thought about crying. I don't know why. Someone reminded me. Oh, yeah. Robbie was talking about how he could picture him mm-hmm. convulsing. Mm-hmm. And I just thought about... I just wanted to yeah. ask. Is, is there any moment? Did, 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 have any of you guys yeah, welled I, up to the album? Yeah. I've gotten choked up a couple times. Crying is a different level to me. Nah, yeah, I cried to the second half of Nike's like twice. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. When he starts... To, when he does the... I know... I might be younger. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And he's, and it's always like Frank will always throw in this incredible, like he'll be like, you got a roommate. He'll hear what we do. It's only awkward if you're fucking him too. Like he always, again, the, the word I'll come back to is layers. It's all uh, layers to the stuff to the, and I hate to just harp on this word, the mythos of the album. It it becomes a, a, a thing unto itself the same way, certain albums become things under themselves separate from the artist. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy has its own mythos separate from Kanye West's, you know? True, Stuff yeah, like that. True. And and Blonde to me is is a similar thing, more so than Channel Orange. Mm-hmm. I love Channel Orange and and I still go back and revisit it and can see like Forrest Gump has very little percussion. You can see some of the the inklings of it, which is also another fun thing to do that we're talking about artists Keeping the fundamental basis of what makes them unique, you can hear elements of each album in the previous albums, yeah, yeah. and that's like uh, how the comparison. Another comparison between Kendrick and Frank is how Kendrick on like um, what is it? See me uh, sing about me. I'm dying of thirst. He has mm-hmm. a little bit of that like choked up thingy in his voice mm-hmm. going on, and then he forces it on the song with B J the Chicago Kid. Oh, his pain straight takes it. Yeah, and takes on it you next level. on Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, and on you on Pimp a Butterfly. Oh, favorite one. And favorite Frank. One. When I listen closely to um, Thinking About You mm-hmm. and a couple other songs on, on Channel Orange, he has that effect that he has on, um, what's the second song on Nike's? Ivy. I mean, after Ivy. Yeah, yeah, and Ivy. Where he, he has that effect on his voice towards the end. He has like a slight, a smaller version of that on his voice on Orange on a couple at a couple points. And on Ivy, he takes it to the next level where he's like screaming with that noise. Yeah. And that's like, if I talked about my favorite song being self-control, but that's my favorite sound on the album. Is, is him screaming at the end of Ivy? At the end of Ivy. Yeah. Or even just the whole effect, that effect on his voice at the when he does that at the end of Ivy. Right. Not just the screaming, but everything that comes before that with that effect. That's my favorite sound on the album. That's like, I love that. That was like, Word. I felt that a lot. Christian, in a year that has been littered with albums from relevant artists and just excellent albums from artists we didn't even know could get to that level... Uh, no name gypsy like we, yeah. we, we, the, the, we we could go forever about the stuff you think that blonde is the album of the year I do do you want to clarify that with any I mean we've talked about it for over half an hour about why we love the album but do you want to 
make its its sort of statement for why you think it's the best album of the year. I know yeah. it's a hard thing to just <laughs> ask you to do. Uh, is it be, is it because of just the content of the songs, or is it because of the narrative of Frank's whole arc? I think I think that all I can really say is that um, I know I know it's tough. Yeah, I think that all I can really say is. I just haven't had this much feeling invoked from from an album this year. Like this album just invoked the most feeling mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. Like not it's not even close. That's and that's also I think one of the purest ways to like gauge which albums yeah, uh of course. Are, are, with art in general. Freddie, what do you think? Uh I could see how he thinks his album of the year cuz like it was to be honest it covered like almost all forms of art and like did it very well like the zine that came out mm-hmm. the video mm-hmm. the actual music the production everything the like the uh the entire other album endless yeah. which had its own streaming video uh, like a uh, lemonade as you haven't even listened to endless all the way through the, the, he reminds <laughs> me like in a weird way of like a like a diet daniel johnston <laughs> you know daniel johnston mm-hmm no, elaborate elaborate a little bit for people who are listening. Daniel Johnson know, is this including me. Uh, singer, songwriter, producer from I guess you could call him producer from the uh, the eighties. Yeah, the nineties, nineties, nineties era. Yeah, and he would he, I believe he had schizophrenia, and he had a few mental he disabilities. Few, yeah, yeah, he had a few mental issues. Mm-hmm. But he would like make music in his uh, garage on his dad's weight bench, and he would record it all with like one cassette. And, like, it was, like, the everything ab- about him, surrounding him, was, like, very much, like, an art piece. Like, he was very, like, interesting person just to, like, know about and, like, listen to his music. But, like, in a way, I feel like Frank's like that. Not to, like, Daniel Johnson's extent. But, like, right, but, but the... There's a lot of stuff going on in his life that, like, affects... Everything that leads to the recording of the music and how yeah. he does it is just as compelling as the music. Yeah. Yeah, and it's expressed crazy. even in the music. Yeah, like you, you can, can feel, feel it. it. You can feel it when you listen to Jalen Johnson's music. Yes. It always, it always, it always. Uh, one one thing I wanted to touch on that's a little X's and O's detail is something you mentioned when we were listening to Solange's new album, Here, A Seat at the Table, fire, which, by the way. which is. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that Freddie and Christian got a chance to listen to most of it because it yeah. is hot fire. Listen to Solange's new album, Heat A Seat at the Table, Either. and Either. <laughs> uh, you were talking about. The tendency of albums in the wake of D'Angelo's album Black Messiah that came out at the very end of 2014 uh. to use quote unquote real percussion, right? To have the actual drums in the studio, right? And that albums have have maybe swung too far in that direction, and that there is a a place and context for artificial yeah. drums, and that Frank does that exquisitely on the album. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. So, so. Just to kind of preface all of this, the whole let you guys prophesy, we gonna see the future first, mm-hmm. bar or whatever, is kind of like the embodiment of this ability to progress things and be unapologetic about them not sounding conventional. And um, I think that, well, when we were listening to Solange's album, I was really happy because a lot of the elements in it are electronic. And you have like these crazy synth things going on and a lot of the drums have these weird delays on them and they're electronic. And it's something that I wanted to draw a parallel to Blonde with um, because Blonde in a lot of ways just isn't super conventional. And like we said, he could have gone the whole second version of hit, Channel hit, Orange. Hit making, right? Yeah, exactly. He could have he could have made a bunch of I Can't Feel My Face by the Weeknd right. records. I mean, even though that's probably not even in him, like he could never do that. Right. But right. I'm just saying, uh, I just think that when we look back in retrospect at whatever you want to call it, this decade, this generation's mm-hmm. uh, music, I would hate for it to be like all the R&B records and all the fusion records, uh, et cetera, sound like our recycled version of the previous generation's exactly. albums. Like I don't want like Channel Orange is absolute fire and like we've <laughs> never heard writing like that over instrumentals like that. But when we look back at Channel Orange, we'll kind of be able to draw parallels like oh, this kind of sounds like a lot of this R&B from the 90s. This kind mm-hmm. of sounds like this. But when you listen to Blonde, it's kind of him just being like 
fuck that type thing. Yeah. Like, I, I would just hate to look back and tell someone that this entire generation's R&B slash fusion genre sounds like it did 20 years ago mm-hmm. type thing. Robbie, do you think it's album of the year? Absolutely. I'll, but for the same reason that Christian said about emotional impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same emotional, like, you know, you can make a case for... Uh, whatever you would make a case for. Well, me, me being me, uh, uh, I, I think that Chance the Rapper is right up there for the exact reason we're talking about. That uh, coloring book ev- ev- evokes emotions, but in a different way. Chance yeah. is so childlike, and we, we literally we're talking about the pitched-up voice representing naivety, right? So Chance's album is so... Wondrous and wide-eyed. He doesn't and need the pitched-up voice. He doesn't. Need, <laughs> yeah. He does. He doesn't need the pitched-up voice. And he talks about real things, but I don't think he. Mm, I don't think he reflects in it on the same way Frank does. That's as I, I don't think he's as nuanced as Frank is yeah. in the way he reflects on those things. He's also not trying to appeal to that. I think Frank was kind of. I think with Chance, there's a bit of like I'm gonna make this this way, but the kids need to be able to listen to it. Type thing. <laughs> yeah. Frank was just like you know, right? He's just been in like a temple for four years, and that works for both of their aesthetics. There. It totally does. Yeah, yeah, true. But Frank says more like what fucked up say? shit on the album than chances on his. Yeah, no, that's like what I'm shit that's like not moral. But I mean, it's different <laughs> because mean? it's yeah, different because that. it's not misogynistic. Do you have an example of but something like, that Frank like, says on the album that's not um, moral? It's okay. It's, it's not Uh-oh, necessarily Robbie. immoral, but for example, you have um, there's no trees to blow through, but yeah. blow me, and I'll always oh, you two grams yeah. of sunrise. sunrise. Yeah, yeah. True. and also when he talks about his dick size on Future of Freeze, and oh Japanese, if you don't have Japanese yeah. roots, there's that shit. There's right. like I'm gonna let my nuts hang, and y'all have the same, you know, shit. Except me, on, you know, I'm Africano, Americano. Yeah. Yeah. I have Japanese, don't you? Uh, but, so like that's not really moral. It's like, um, but it's just like not as like accessible, or just yeah. like you wouldn't play it at a barbecue the yeah. way you would play. <laughs> no, the, the no, way you, you play you, no you, problems. So. Ab- absolutely, you yeah. can. You Blonde is a more specific contextual album than Color and Book is more of a can, can appeal to more audiences. Uh, it's not that immoral because I like to think that he's talking to uh, a man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. One. Right, because he's talking to he's talking to men a lot of time. Who is F- Frank? So Frank's like, talking to men. The misogyny thing when he's talking about like suck my dick tomorrow, like right now, and I'll owe you two grams when the sun rises. Right, doesn't have the misogyny thing that a lot of music and you know our whole fucking world has. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make me feel as bad like that, really that bad, because I like to just think that it's talking to a man. So it's yeah. like it's not really that hurtful, but. Still, it's not. Still, still it's not moral. It's still prostitution. Yeah. So, this doesn't matter. It's still prostitution. So, ultimately, uh, because we've re- almost reached the 45 minute mark, I wanted to try Damn. and bring the whole thing together. It flew by, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I feel Very like, quick. Yeah, I feel like I have mad. It's been like three minutes. Stuff. Well, the, well, this the, I wanted to, I wanted to give you guys the chance to yeah. to either bring up other points which we can delve into perhaps, or to just sort of summarize what you think of the album and. Whether it ultimately met your expect, met, like was was worth the wait, worth the four years yeah. and the expectations and the uh, phony release dates and all that. Do, do do you think it was worth the wait? And we're here now, and and it's it's great. Yeah, I don't know. I think that I'm not sure if I could say worth the wait, just because it's hard. I don't know the way we perceive things like so linearly this album dropped and it's hard for me to remember what four years of like anguish and pain feel like (laughs) Um, so i don't know if i could say it's worth the wait just because it's hard to remember a time like you know, and when something happens, it's hard to remember a time where Before it just it. didn't exist. This has been yeah. forever, yeah. Yeah, it's like forever. What from yeah. August twentieth to now? <laughs> Julia been... would say would like say like different lines from the album, and I'd recognize them. And I feel like I all right, I heard that before, but that's been like coming out for years, right? Yeah. Like, uh, when what is that that you're saying? Oh, it's Frank. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to it's hard to remember. I don't. I would just say that it's probably my favorite album of the last 
year period of time like two years like from pimp a butterfly to now maybe i think it's i like it more hmm i like it more i think that the just just uh hearing nikes and watching the video at the same time just absolutely just brought me right. to this place of like he's the best artist that we have just like i've never seen a video go so well with a piece of music you can tell everything and then also uh, it added like we're talking about layers. Uh-huh. Like, it added to this whole aesthetic of mystical transparency, mm-hmm. if, like uh, for lack of a better term. No, that's 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 the correct term. Yeah. So it added to this whole mystical transparency that we got to hear the first song off the album with a video and just watching Frank be Frank with the glitter on his face and like walking around on stage and also the shots of behind the scenes footage. Like, there's a lot of shots in the video of them shooting the video, and it's like, you know everything's intentional, and, like, the way these layers come together, I think that um, I've just never... I just haven't experienced a piece of work this good since I can really remember. I thought of I thought of one more point that I am really unsure how to answer, uh, because when we talk about a, a handful of albums from the over the course of popular music in the last 50 or 60 years there's certain albums that simply represent what it means to be black in america in the time period in which it came out i think that in the last couple years black messiah has felt like that pimple butterfly has felt like that a couple albums the solange album that we were just listening to felt like that and i wanted to to ask you guys if you think because to me the long line of these artists, uh, the Soulquarians and Kanye, D'Angelo, Erica Badu, the Roots, uh, going all the way back to Curtis Mayfield, and who, who, the, the list goes on and on and on. To me, Frank feels a little separate from that arc. And I wanted to ask, does that have to do with the influences that he has that are from non-black artists? And... Is is that are, are we wrong for thinking that? Is he actually a reflection of what it's like, and we're just yeah. because it's not jazzy and it's not hip hoppy and it's not this and that that we're simply saying, oh no, it's 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 not what it's like. I we have to clarify that Freddie is the only person out of the four of us who actually is black. So it's hey. it's it's and it's the first black person yeah, I've had I mean, on this podcast, by the way, uh, which is something that I they should have remedied before that. but 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 i think it's a worthwhile question because blonde is clearly one of the most important records of of 2016 but being an important record and being an important record uh uh in in black culture are two different things and frank is undoubtedly one of the four or five most important black artists in the world yeah so so how do we how do we remedy that at the time of uh, of the time, yes, of right now. I think now. the five most important like black artists right now are Frank Ocean, Young Thug, uh, Kendrick Lamar, of course. Uh, I'm Ka- gonna say, I'm gonna have to say who? Kanye. Kanye. Oh, of course, yeah, Kanye, Kanye still to this day. And I don't my next last one is, gonna be, is already solved because that's Beyonce. It had, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> well, I, I think it's Beyonce. After listening to no dead ass, after listening to Solange's Solange, album, I'm gonna say Solange. <laughs> <laughs> No, today. but seriously, nah, yeah. don't is, touch my it's, hair. Follow before, it's, like, it's, that intro beforehand. I, I yeah. said the hot take was that uh, Solange's out. Al- it's the best album by a Knowles yeah. this year. Honestly, I can't wait. Robbie said that the fact that Lemonade has a whole visual album yeah, makes it hard to compare. It's just more expensive. But I but I really want to get down to this because it's it's a crucial point to me. Just because Frank has Radiohead influences doesn't mean he shouldn't be uh, compared to these other albums in the same way. And I wonder why that is. I don't know if we can actually answer that right here, right now. Think? But I can answer it real quick. He has a different demographic. He's not aiming to like target anybody. That entire piece that he made was just him. And just because he draws influences from different music does not mean he's looking to be like the other music. Right. It's because mm-hmm. he enjoys that. That's what he's he's totally he's breathing that in and exhaling out himself with that yes he's he's not saying let me draw in the white audience that's yeah, not that's yeah. not that's that never enters his brain yeah it's an organic right okay 
Like that, you just did it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just a lot. It's just a lot to unpack. This is why music's the coolest thing in the world yes, because yes, yes. we get to have discussions like this. And so, for anybody who somehow listened to this without listening to Blonde, go listen to Blonde. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. If you did listen to it and you agree or disagree with anything that any of us have said, this is my one of my favorite bits of any podcast is the housekeeping. I have to plug. My man Christian, who's sitting across me, Christian Yoon, if you go to him on SoundCloud, what's the SoundCloud page? SoundCloud.com slash... Christian Yoon, uh, first name Christian, like the uh, faith. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. Right, and the last name is Y-O-O-N. Yoon. Christian Yoon on SoundCloud. Go listen to Christian stuff. It's good stuff, man. Thank you. Yeah, listen to it if you want. Yeah. Does anybody else have any social yeah, media I mean, or artistic stuff to plug? Uh, if you want to... Follow Big Blue ES on Twitch.tv. Big Blue ES. Big Blue ES. At- esports. We are esports. Esports. Yes, esports. We play Melee on Tuesdays. What? You're what? Yes. <laughs> oh my God, Freddie, you have to come back. Play Melee. Freddie, you have to come back on this podcast. No, watch me commentate. Go follow Big Blue ES. Oh my God. Twitch.tv. Uh, <laughs> Robbie, do you have any social media or artistry that you want to plug on this podcast right now before we get out of here? Aaron Vidala. Yo, Your look sister. it up on Bandcamp. Young Aaron Vidala. Robbie's <laughs> yeah. younger sister is a brilliant singer. Aaron True. Vidala. There's e- one song. You'll find one song, but yo, check it out. Aaron Vidala. E-R-I-N-V-A-D-A-L-A. Aaron Vidala on Bandcamp. If you just on like Bandcamp. go to Bandcamp and or search YouTube. it. Or YouTube. She has also like a song on YouTube with like other Berkeley people. And there's like a moment on it where she has like this there's sort a of moment. operatic sort of thing. She's she's a great it, singer, man. It, and it's super nice, and everybody should be. <laughs> she's hit. nice, also. Very kind. Yeah. Of. It's like a public service Four announcement. Person. It's not even like I want you to see it. It's like <laughs> it's I a- want you to know because you want to know. <laughs> Like, and as you per, want to be into this right now. <laughs> as per usual, you can listen to Fighting Fire with Fire at soundcloud.com slash fighting fire with fire. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the AJ Rose Show. Follow me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram at a Jeremy Rose. And uh, subscribe to and download episodes of Fighting Fire with Fire on the and the iTunes store. Go to the podcast section, type in Fighting Fire with Fire or simply FFWF yes. and the podcast and episodes will show up. This was my favorite podcast that I've ever recorded. Just yes, for the let's go. This is the twelfth episode. This is the best podcast because humbler.com slash Frank Ocean. <laughs> good plug. Good plug. Good That's a good website. So the, the uh, listen to listen to Blonde. Listen to uh, a seat at the table. Uh, Solange's new album. Yeah. I want this exact trio to come back later in the year to discuss what we think uh, the top ten albums of the year are because it's yeah. a blog post that oh, I write yes. at the end of each year, yeah. and it's going to be an impossible, impossible discussion because it's been such a good year, and I look forward to that. And guys, do you, you want to say bye to the people? You can say Peace. a quick bye. Peace. Yeah. Peace out. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. All right, guys. For AJ Rose, Christian Yoon. Freddie Lane. Freddie Lane. The legend. And Robbie Vidala. We're out of here. We'll see you next time. Cheers.